Podcast. It's a podcast. Schmodcast podcast. In Kansas. Yay. On Thanksgiving. Oh my God. And in the same room. So oh, there's no delay on our song. No delay. We can sing. <gasps> Which is perfect because this is episode 50 titled 50 Nifty, which means this is the podcast that's just two PLPs <laughs> walking down memory lane in the 50 Nifty United States. Oh, do you feel a song coming on? Yeah. Do you remember that song? I do. And actually, um, I never learned the whole song oh. because the music teacher that would come to our class, sucked. she only taught us through Connecticut, oh which is God. like one That's lesson. very barely into the song. And then she just never came back again and we didn't know what happened. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I wonder if she died. Well, no, because she came back the next year oh. and taught us like a different, a different musical song. or whatever. I think she just, I don't know. Y'all, I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca, the one who <laughs> doesn't know the song. <laughs> so what we're talking about here as our intro is a song called... 50 nifty United, United States. States from the 13 original colonies. And it's how most American children of our generation learned all the 50 states. Mm-hmm. We had to learn it in like fourth or fifth grade or some shit. So you, that, that was my intro question was like, do you recall learning that song? And you have a great 50 nifty story. Yeah, it's a really good story. <laughs> and unfortunately, it's made me deficient when everyone sings when the everyone song. When everyone sings the song. Yeah. yeah, I do know all 50 states. Can you say them right now? No. Okay. I can only say them because I love that song and I can sing it and then say all the states in alphabetical order, which I was very proud of. I knew from a young age I wanted to travel places, but I lived in boring Kansas, which is where we are right now. It's less boring now than <laughs> it was when I was Yeah, a kid. when it's voluntary, it's really fun. Yeah. And um, we used to say at the end, at the end of the song, they say, in our cool, considered, objective, unprejudiced opinion... Kansas is the best. Like every every state would just say their own state. Mm-hmm. And we used to say Hawaii is the best. <laughs> <laughs> to like fuck with our teachers and how be like, fun. we knew that Kansas was not the best of the yeah. 50, 50. We knew that. And how funny now that you live there. <laughs> I know. Isn't that funny? Yeah. So I guess another 50 nifty question for you. Part of the reason we named this 50 nifty is because we have been both in the mainland mm-hmm. for a couple of weeks now. How many states have you been in in the past, like since we last schmodded? That's a really good question. Mm-hmm. I've been in seven because I did Virginia. Well, I'm counting DC, yeah, even though should. technically okay, it's not, not, not a state. state. So six. Yeah, DC, Maryland, Texas, Oklahoma, Missouri, and Kansas, and Virginia. And Virginia. Yeah. So not DC because that's not a state. I already said that. Yeah. We went to a lot of places. I've only been to three, two, Kansas and Oklahoma. I keep counting through Missouri though. That's why I'm counting. Missouri does count. I'm counting. I'm in back and forth to Missouri all the time. We did a gas station. We We did a dinner last night. Yeah. Count it. You count it. Yeah. Okay, cool. 50 nifties y'all. Okay. So technically today is Thanksgiving and we might even publish this on Thanksgiving. Um, I'm very grateful that you are here for a big family turkey day, which we've just like mm-hmm. literally never done before. Um, y'all should be aware Rebecca is also watching the clock because she's baking a bunch of bread. I just want to make sure that I didn't turn the oven on well, wrong. Well, here's the thing. If at any point you need a little pause because we're sitting together, so easy. Push pause. Yeah. We'll restart. I'm really, really excited about this bread and I just <laughs> want to share my joy with everyone. I'm making um, a knock a knockoff 
Cheesecake Factory recipe that my mom taught me last of week. Of bread, not of a cheesecake. Bread. Yeah. yeah. The, the really good brown bread that they serve mm-hmm. at the beginning for free, even though they should charge for it. And if it works out, you can ask me about it and I'll send you the recipe. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've had this bread, y'all. It's pretty fucking good. But you had the version my mom made. This is the first time I'm doing it solo. Oh, because you didn't make that one that you gave me last we, time, even though you pretended you did? No, we made it together, mom and I. I didn't oh. misrepresent. Okay. I thought you were maybe wow. trying to... Pull the wool over my eyes. Well, in, in spite of this recent back and forth, I'm really grateful to also be here with you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm really excited to be in like your big family bustling Thanksgiving yeah. where your sister's cooking an amazing yeah. meal for us. And yeah. we'll hang out with your nephews. It's going to be so fun. There's really a lot to be grateful for. Um, in our Connects and Corrects, we would be remiss if we mm. didn't mention um, that there is still a great deal of horror going on mm-hmm. in Gaza. Um, there are a lot of people really hurting. Will it ever end? Doesn't look like it. But perchance. And sometimes I feel a great deal of despair. And getting to you know express our uh, gratitude for the things that we have. I don't know. It just feels extra. I just feel extra grateful this year. And um, mm-hmm. it's like less fluffy when you are so closely connected to people who are suffering so acutely. It really makes me feel... Uh, a, a deep sense of gratitude, like for my nephews and mm-hmm. for my siblings, and yeah. And when when your life can be like so stable for so long, you forget like how how quickly all of it could go away yeah. in like times yeah. of great strife, especially yeah. in like war times. Yeah, yeah. So yay for that! And let's distract ourselves from all the things that keep have made me not sleep for two months now. Um, we in our connects and corrects need to discuss because we brought this up in a previous episode. <laughs> do we know which drugs make people bond with each other the most? Do you know? No. Do you? Oh know? no, I didn't look up the answer. No, so I we haven't learned notes. anything. <laughs> I put okay. in the notes for you to look up. Okay. Oh, that's my bad. Maybe I looked it up did and you, forgot. Did Here's... you look up? Did you look up which drugs make people do more crimes, especially meth versus fentanyl? It's meth. Meth does more crimes. Well, it's meth is more like petty crime. Right. You're tweaking, are, yeah. you break it, you break Because fentanyl is like I, I feel better, I take a nap. Meth is like I burn the whole house down. Yeah, like I'm, I'm I also need to score more meth and I've spent mm. all my money on it. And then fentanyl is actually like a more like organized crime mm. crime. So it is still like a fentanyl is like a bigger part of crime. You're not like cooking it in your basement. You're like stealing it from hospitals. Yeah, and like okay. more people have like a secret fentanyl addiction in addition to like tweaky meth. So okay. Okay. so there's more of a like there's a bigger demand for fentanyl, yeah. unfortunately. I get it. So there's like a larger like federal crime happening okay. for that. I should note I'm also eating banana bread while we talk in case people hear me chewing. Oh, God, so good. It's really good. My sister, my other sister made this banana bread. Mm. Well, that's all the hard-hitting drug topics. Well, um, I wanted to actually offer oh, that gosh. since we don't know the answer about which, which drugs <laughs> bond people the most, um, our, our fan Ian has offered to be <gasps> part of that trial. Oh, great, should Ian. We, should we procure some and can do like okay. a test? He's okay. going to be involved. Cool. Thank yeah. you so much, Ian. Which also means he's totally caught up now. Oh my gosh, it does mean he's caught up. Yeah. Having a few delays, like um, y'all should know, like we prepped this outline to record two weeks ago and then life happens. The important thing about us being not professional podcasters, even though we have so many millions of fans with a Z, <laughs> is that 
any time, if any time for any reason, one of us is like, I don't really feel like it today. We just don't do it. Mm -hmm. So we, we ended up two weeks behind again. So I'm not even actually sure what's in my notes. I haven't looked at them for two weeks. You know, what's hilarious. I forgot my hot top. I have it pulled up, but I don't remember. You don't remember. Oh, so this is going to be like a live real. This is going to be fun for us both. Yeah. Yeah. I think I know my hot top, but my papers are really crinkly. Because I put them in my bag and brought them to Oklahoma, and then we like That's didn't amazing. do it. I know. Oh, great! Well, we're glad you caught up, Ian. You're <laughs> you're welcome for all the long breaks. This was also a connect and correct for you, Madam Rebecca, because of your wine topic. Mm. Have you had any wines lately that match those label tips you gave us? Like it said, it was going to be fresh, and that meant it tasted like total piss. Um, no, I haven't. Yeah. I avoid those wines. Okay. Yeah. Um, I took some pics of some labels so that um, I could check if they they matched. And one of them did say it was like um, it listed specific spices, but didn't oh. say that it was spicy. And so your tip really came in handy, so I knew what that would mean. Good. And you haven't opened it yet? No, I drank it when you weren't here. Oh, was it? Did you notice it? Did it, was, it have the spice? Yeah. Um, my mom notoriously does not drink very much. Mm-hmm. I don't know why notoriously. Infamously. Famously. <laughs> it is well-known fact. <laughs> and so she often has bottles of wine in her basement from various things. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, mom, I think when we go to the grocery store, I'm going to like buy a bottle of wine. And she was like, oh, let me go check the basement. And she found a Cab Franc down there. Oh. I was like, how do you have a Cab Franc? She's like, I don't know. She just had one. And it's, I drank it and it was for good. Me. Yeah. Oh, well, you drank it. Well, I bought you other ones. There's another one. We should check that label and then and drink see. it. Yeah, we'll make some predictions. Yay. Okay. Also, um, Uncle TM sent me a picture of a poster of Bill Hader in Tulsa <gasps> because he's from there. And so, like, I don't know where he was that he saw this like poster with pictures of Bill Hader on it. And <laughs> I just love and it really, truly, he like sent me this poster and I was like, God, Bill Hader is so hot. I don't mm-hmm. know what's wrong with me. And I love him so much. Bill, if you're listening, <laughs> we were in Tulsa recently and I didn't reach out to you to hang out. I'm really sorry about that. It was a short visit. You're so busy. I was really busy that I'm sure Bill was just like sitting at home wishing waiting, I would reach out to him. Waiting for a text. But next time. We'll be back, Bill. <laughs> Did you find out if flies actually vomit on you every time they land on you? Yeah, um, they unfortunately do not. See? I was being hyperbolic. Now, here's the thing, though. No, don't try to cover it up. Just say you were wrong and I was right. For once in your life. <laughs> I will acknowledge it. That is <laughs> say true. it out loud. You were right. Uh-huh. And I was wrong. Oh, my God. <laughs> and? It actually didn't feel as good as I hoped it oh, would. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. <clears throat> you were right. I was wrong. Is that better? Yeah, that is better because okay. when I thought that it was making you sad, it made me feel sad. Well, here's what's nice though. Okay. It's really good when I'm when I'm wrong, but I believe I'm right mm-hmm. to tell me I'm wrong because then it gave me a chance to learn a new thing. And now teach me something else. Yeah. This is how she handles being wrong, folks. Well, you don't want to know. I was happy I do to learn know. it. I, do I just think know. you want to learn it. I'm just it. saying like this is brilliant technique. You're like, oh no, I was wrong about something. Let me learn some more information so I can quickly be right about something again. Well, it's not it's not about you thinking that no, I'm right. It's about you it's feeling about that me. you are right. I love or that. just like knowing things. Because sometimes things. My, it's important to know my things. My brain will just tell me something confidently yes. that's so wrong. Yes. I don't know. We both do it. And I trust myself so implicitly. I think this is a great tool. And actually, you've just synthesized something really important. It's not important to you to be right. It's important to you to know things. Mm-hmm. And so when you 
thought you knew something and it was it was not correct, it like throws the whole world out of balance. You start to be like, what else do I not Who know? Who am I? Yeah. Who are you? So tell me something more about flies. So when flies land, they vomit on something that they are going to eat. Oh. And so it's not to say that they don't vomit on us sometimes, but it's unlikely that they vomit us every time. Okay. Because they're not going to eat our full skin. I really was just feeling, I was feeling like maybe I'm disgusting because of the number of times I've been places where you, there's just like so many flies that you just like, there's flies landing on you all the time. You can't feel their little vomit. Well, no, I know not feel it, but I also started to feel bad for the flies because some of these flies land on you like a thousand times before they ever leave you. And I was yeah. like, what if they're vomiting every time? Well, and it's not like a, it's not like vomit. It's a, it's expectorant. Yes. It's their little, like saliva. they're just spitting out their saliva to like marinate what they're going to eat. Okay. But so it's, it's not every time they land. Thank God. Well, Sorry. Us. Yeah. It's every time they land on something, on something they want to eat, eat like yeah. a steak. So not every time they land either. Right. But definitely on the food. On the food. And that's the part that makes it gross if a fly's okay. on your picnic. Okay. We don't need to eat fly vomit. Anyway, that was an extended oh. fly update. Um, we recommend, we told you all that we were reading the book tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Um, we had gotten a ton of feedback that it was very good. Also, one of our top fans says it's very problematic. Oh. Um, she told me not to read it at all, but it was for book club. So I did go ahead and read it. And um, I actually... I really liked it. I'm not going to say there's nothing problematic about it, which I think we may discuss during book club. Okay. Don't spoil it because um, I just started I won't. It. But I mentioned it to Marmy and she says the author of Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow has another book that she really recommends. It's called Elsewhere. Mm. So if you're interested in this book or this author, but want to avoid the problematic one, Marmy recommends Elsewhere. Okay. Yep. Great. There we go. Has Ma Matthew McConaughey reached out to us yet? Not yet. But... Did you know he just recently bought a house on our in island? In Tulsa? Oh. Oh. Mm -hmm. Is it um is it like Yeah, it's like on the night on the fancy side. Yeah. It's in, in the slightly fancier side than we live on. Do you think he might need a house sitter? Probably. You know he doesn't live there full time. He lives yeah. in Austin, you know, Hookem, Horns or whatever. Yeah. So he's probably not there right now. You guys, Rebecca, when she said Hookem, did just, just did like the like, lamest which one? fake Hookem oh. that I've ever seen. It was, she did the like rock and roll sign instead of, instead of Hookem Horns with her fingers. I also like, I always like, do like, I love you. And I, I keep, Hookem has ruined Shaka for me. Like I have a really hard time sh doing a Shaka because I keep wanting to get that pointer finger involved. Mm-hmm. Do you think people know all of these signs so yeah. that they're visualizing? You'll put the emojis in the call notes. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Call notes. I call it the call <laughs> no, notes. No, it's the show I've notes. I've been working too much. Show notes. Uh, did you figure out how many sweaters you can wear at one time? No. Yeah, me neither. I've only been wearing maximum two. Two, yeah. It, ha You know what? It has not until the last 24 hours. It has been not cold. been that cold. I've been able to get away with just like a light hoodie and then like maybe a sweatshirt. I'm often it. wearing basically what's like um, a, a reinforced long tee. Mm -hmm. that's, it's technically a sweatshirt, but it's kind of just a thick long tee. And then sometimes you have to throw a thicker like Sherpa, Sherpa sweater over that. I also just got like the the loveliest scarf when we were in Tulsa. Yes, from our me beloveds. too. I'm obsessed. And it was perfect timing because I was transitioning from like the warmer Virginia, Texas area yes. up north to Kansas and they just handed it to me right at yeah. the right time. That's been keeping me it was, warm too. It was really perfect for me because I had been like, I don't need to pack very much stuff and like barely brought anything. And that, that scarf was like my staple clothing item then once they gave it to me. Yeah. So good. Um, tell us about this. 
you went to the Bob Dylan Museum mm-hmm. and read an article from AARP magazine that Marmy set aside for us. Mm-hmm. Tell us all about Bob Dylan, Rebecca. Those were actually really similar. So if you well, have- the article was about the museum, I think. Exactly. Yeah. So if you happen to be a member or subscribe to AARP <laughs> and have this month's magazine- Or can get on AARP.com or I don't, whatever. I think it might be a magazine exclusive. Oh my God. I don't know that it's online. Let's not mislead <laughs> our fans. Okay. Um, if you're not a member, please join. You don't have to be 50. It's for a good cause. Mm-hmm. They have really good coupons. Anyway, the um, Bob Dylan Museum. So why is it in Tulsa? That was my main reason I went there mm-hmm. is I wanted to know because he's mm-hmm. not from there. He's from a tiny town in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Spent a lot of time in New York City. Yeah. And like, why Tulsa? Well, it's because he really likes that Guthrie, Guthrie guy, Woody. Woody Guthrie has a museum in Tulsa, too. Yeah, and right next door is where the Bob Dylan one is. So mm. he went to the Woody Guthrie Museum, and um, early in his career, they had some collabs, and he's really inspired by him. And so he went to the museum in Tulsa because he loves Guthrie and was so impressed by it that he told the people who did the museum oh. they could do one for him as oh, well. Oh, gotcha. And then he and like gave him a bunch of his stuff. Exactly. <clears throat> so the whole museum is set up like... You walk around in sort of a concentric circle, and it's all of the different like ways that his music has evolved throughout uh-huh. his many decades. Yeah, and for a person who obviously has no idea, as we've proven on this podcast many yeah. times, I found it really, really cool because they would have like his. He wrote out like hand wrote a lot of his lyrics in tiny little books, mm. and they had versions That's of it. Neat. Yeah, and you could see them evolving, and there were like little letters back and forth with other musicians he was working with, and then. Um, over time, he like started off as like a folksy person and had a lot of like sort of civil rights protest type songs. Uh-huh. In fact, the first time he was going to perform for Ed Sullivan, uh, which would have been like a big deal for his career because he was an unknown, they weren't going to let him sing his like provocative protest song, so he refused to perform. Oh yeah, see, here's this is the thing I've been missing about BD. Mm-hmm. Like I. I think of him as a musician the same way I think of like Pink as a musician. Mm-hmm. And I do not enjoy the aesthetics of his music. Right. If I were to think of him as a poet yes. who sets his poems to instrumentation, yes. I think, I mean, because I do respect his lyrics and his process and like his, his social justice and mm-hmm. um, anti-war stance. Like I think he, he's like a, has a brilliant and important voice in American history but I just don't like listening to him sing songs. Yeah. Well, one song that we're going to be completely obsessed with is called Not Dark Yet. Oh. There's an album in his later years, not later, but like more mature years. Yeah. That I read the lyrics to and heard a little snippet in the museum. And I was like, I want to listen to this whole okay, album. Okay. So we're going to listen to that later. That's and a future actually, connecting correct. I was going to recommend. I was going to recommend oh for your. Um, for your 40 before 40, you have like some albums you're supposed to read end to end. Yeah. And I think I think you should do the That's album. The next one. The Not Yet Not Dark Yet not is dark on. Yet. Okay. I just wrote it down, people. So and I'm circling the connects and corrects that we didn't actually answer yet. Yeah, and for anyone who's curious what the album name is, it's called Time Out of Mind. And I'm I'm recommending the entire album with a Oh, not not dark yet as a song. Yes. Okay. And I've only listened to like 10 seconds of that one song. So I just want everyone to know that it's with that blind faith. Yeah, I recommend it's not the good. entire album. I don't know. It won a it won a Grammy. So uh, somebody thought it was good. Everyone, like, there are people who just think everything he does is good. And so I'm, I'm coming around to it. Here's the thing. Just be open, Rachel. That's, I, I beg you. two questions. Yeah, I, I have to be for Nance and Tim. Um, I, 
Okay, I have two questions for you because mm-hmm. um, I went to those museums many years ago. Oh, okay. And um, I, it was so boring. It well, was how so boring old were for you? Um, maybe late twenties. Okay, so early thirties. So, so I can't use the kid well, excuse. Yeah, I was not a child. Um, I wasn't. My brain hadn't calmed down quite yet. Like I had a hard time focusing. Museums. Sure. Also, my feet always used to hurt, so I had a hard time at museums because my feet always hurt. Yeah, because it I, requires both things. And standing I, I can't be and like, focusing. I can't be forced to focus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, well, the first one's not a question. It's just like I would like to go back and see Bob Dylan with fresh eyes. Oh, you may. Thank you. <laughs> the second one is a question. Who's Woody Guthrie? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We both I were mean, like at the museum he about was, him so and I don't know thing. who he is. Here's the thing. <laughs> this um, is a future connecting, correct? I could have gotten a combo ticket and gone to both museums oh. with with my mama. She was with me and we were exploring DT Tulsa. Mm-hmm. And I, I Just don't Just re- DT. Yeah. Downtown Tulsa. I know, but remember how I call it DT? Like all yeah. the places are DT. Oh, I DT got it. Hilo, yeah, yeah, DT yeah, yeah. New anyway, York continue. City. I'm really DT I, Tulsa. I, I just jumped in there. Yeah. Okay. God. It's like it, this is why we have to spend time together because two weeks apart Our and you forgot all my catchphrases. I said that was a family like fail. Thank you. Um, so I could have got a combo ticket, but I was also afraid that the museums might be like a little bit much for my energy level mm. that Saturday morn. Mm-hmm. So we got a single and we committed to BD, mm-hmm. which is why I don't know anything about WG. Yeah, WG. But I do know. Do we he, know who he is? At he's all? a musician. What well, got that? And I I know based on a mural I saw that he has a guitar that had the word that had the words. This machine kills fascists. Yes. painted on it. Yeah, I knew that. So he seems cool. And he was friends with BD, so he's probably like a like early like social revolutionary kind of a yeah like the, from the generation of people who used to want to change the world and then yeah. became the worst generation ever and just took over capitalism and bankrupted all the rest of us. Yeah, I think he's like a. I think he's sort a of boomer. like a. A folksy beatnik artist is yeah. what I'm going to categorize yeah. him as with no information. I wonder if he's a bank owner now. I think he's dead. Oh. So rest um, in peace. <laughs> R.I.P. Okay. Um, another connect and correct. Gosh, we have so many. I know. <laughs> Marmy informed me. Remember when we were hypothesizing based on my connect, based on my hot top that was so hot, so hot because it was about sweating. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Marmy says she and her siblings sweat differently. Like oh. she knows that some of her siblings are like very sweaty and some. Even are though not. everyone grew up in the same exact address, they. But you know what? They grew up so many years apart and climate probably change. well, <laughs> climate change. <laughs> I just wonder if like the household behaviors were different or. Mm. But yeah, so that kind of. But my siblings and I all sweat a lot. I've been going to the gym with Elizabeth and. Um, they like laugh about how much she sweats and then we're like oh my god your sister sweats as much as you do and I was like yeah it's healthy it's healthy <laughs> okay I've been having a lot of weird dreams lately and I had one recently that I wanted to tell you about did I already tell you about kayaks and dolphins no tell me immediately okay so I had an amazing dream early in this trip so vibrant there were so many different water water things mm. happening, including me being on like, I was with like other ultimate Frisbee players, but we were like a paddling team and we're trying mm-hmm. to get out on the water and it was like really crowded with all these other people. And then at a certain point, I was in a kayak with Charmy in my dream uh-huh. and we're kayaking along and underneath us are so many huge fish and dolphins and whales 
and they are brilliantly colored. Like think Lisa Frank poster dolphins. Beautiful. Bright blues, greens, turquoise, like shimmering. And it was normal. It was just like normal that that's what these animals look mm-hmm. like. And um, Charmy and I, at one point, our kayak flipped and we had to like get ba- get it back over. And it was like kind of annoying, but not stre- not like really stressful. And we got back in our kayak. So anyway, I told her about this dream and she immediately looked up what the <gasps> symbolism is. Fun. And so kayaks... Um, dreaming of kayaks can be a sign that you are emotionally well-balanced and in tune with your feelings and you're succeeding through willpower, determination, and drive, which is especially interesting because the kayak flipped. So in my dream, I was a little bit wrestling maybe with being like, am I like not in tune with my feelings? Like is something off balance? But then I succeeded by like flipping yeah. it back over, right? With so the help good. of my friend Charmy. Yeah. Dream Charmy. Dream Charmy. Um, which is probably basically exactly the same as real life Charmy because she's basically a dream in real life. That's true. Yeah. Just in case you're ever telling me a dream and it sounds like it's a real thing, maybe we'll call that one Darmy. Darmy. You're right. Okay, so real life Charmy also told me <laughs> the other thing was dolphins. Dolphins symbolize emotional trust. It's about encouraging you to use your mind to move upward in life. And a line of communication between your subconscious and your conscious, a willingness to explore and navigate emotions, which is especially cool because these dolphins were like vibrantly colored. And I was like, I thought they were so beautiful. Isn't that neat? What a good dream. Thank you. I've been, I've been like, I think it was weeks ago and I still think about it all the time. It was so good. Do you have any more connects? Any more corrects? No. Do you need to pause to check your bread? No. Oh my God. Do you want to do your hot top first? Yes. Okay. Okay. I'm going to tell you about an amazing woman in history we've never heard about. What? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Tell me. And I know you've done a couple of these in the past, but you're going to really, really love this person. Do you even know who it is right now? Yeah. Her eyes are twinkling as she tries. Because I forgot and now I remember. Grasps to remember her. Yeah. No, that was just like a tiny tee up while I. But it was like a little surprise for yourself as well. Yeah. Just like the tiniest is a remembery. Yes. A remembery. So we are going to talk about, I'm dubbing her as the patron saint of the octopus. Oh. But um, her actual name is Jean Vipru Power. She was born in September 1794 in um, England. No, Uh excuse me, France. 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 That's why her last name is French. What is her last name? Vipru. V-I-L-L-E-P-R-E-U-X. Uh-huh. Is it close enough yeah, to probably. get away with it? But didn't you say her last name was Power? Because well, she gets married. Oh, fuck that. Okay. Well, she hyphenated. Okay, that's nice. And it's 1794 that's when she's pr- born. progressive. Thank you. She, yeah. Basically, listen, she's a cool chick. Okay. okay. Tell All me right. more about her. So I'm going to just tell you up front, she's the first person to ever study the octopus, um, like a live octopus <gasps> that we know of from recorded history. Um, and it led to the invention of aquariums. What? Yes. And it led to biologists everywhere studying live animals instead of like dead wow. fossils and dead bodies and making speculations. She was like, hey, guess what? How about if we like look at the ones that are still alive? Instead of watching their dead bodies and guessing what they were like. Oh my God. Yeah. She's like, okay. So, all right. So little baby Jean was born in rural France and her mother passed away when she was 11. Just before her 18th birthday, she sets out for Gay Paris from her rural home to achieve her dream of becoming a dressmaker. Oh. 
Um, so she's creative. Yeah. On her way, some bad things happen, and she loses her identity papers, which, oh, like, no. delays her. Um, when she finally makes it to Paris by getting her, like, new papers issued or whatever, the job had been given away. That's so fucked. So instead of her being able to be a dressmaker, she instead gets a job as a seamstress's assistant. So Ugh, she's still... Not as good. Yeah, it's not as glamorous. It's like two steps back for Jean. Exactly. So for... Jean Jane? Jean. It's J-E-A-N-N-E, Jean. Yeah. Jeanne. Yeah. Jeanne. Yeah. So Jeanne, <laughs> four years and thousands of dresses later is how I wrote this. <laughs> four years and thousands of dresses later. Which probably is just a direct copy paste from um, the website. I hope you invented it yourself. The Marginalian. Is that I don't where know. you got this from? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's all fact checked? I mean, that one source. Modern and a Wikipedia double check. Oh. Okay. She did exist. Okay. So Jeanne was tasked finally with outfitting a duchess for a royal wedding. So she's a real up-and-comer four years then. At that ceremony, she meets and falls in love with an English merchant. She marries him, and then they move to Sicily, and this is when it gets really octopusy. She moved to Sicily? Yeah, she goes to Sicily with her um, little merchant. Okay, so now she's like, oh, I have all this great time. I live in Sicilia. Sicilia. And she's um, reading a bunch of books about geology, archaeology, and natural history because she loves that stuff. Yeah. And because she's a woman, she's not allowed to study it formally. Uh Uh-huh. So um, now she's, like, walking around the island, enjoying the ecosystem, and walking on the shoreline, wading into the sea with her long skirts, she finds a tiny octopus called (gasps) an argonaut. Have you heard of this guy? An argonaut? An argonaut. It's like an astronaut octopus? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Probably named for like Jason and the Argonauts. But anyway. What's that? I don't know. What's an Argonaut? An Argonaut is like a warrior. Oh. From, is it Greece? It's that area. Uh, yeah, the Argos. Okay. Anyway, so it's um, it's an octopus that lives inside of a shell. It kind of looks like a hermit oh. crab, except it's an octopus. <gasps> Neato. And it's also known as a paper nautilus. And only the female octopuses have this little shell. Uh-huh. The male ones are like teeny tiny little octopuses that float around naked. Oh. They also have, the females have two like tentacles that are like wide, almost like flippers. Uh, or, so they can like flip their, they can drag their shell with them? Well, people speculate that they're using them for like, like swimming. Like yeah. They're, like, they're in that, that sail like tentacle is why they got called nautilus because that means sail in greek or whatever um but the way that this article described it as their sail-like membranes protruding from it like a tiny pair of bunny ears oh (laughs) so they're like laying back in the shell basically arms flopped out Uh uh-huh so the little tentacles are up like bunny ears cute 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 did you see pictures of this in your research yes you're gonna show me i spent a lot of time looking at them they're adorable okay okay so um, these can be pretty big. Like the the main part of the octopus's body can get up to like five inches. Oh, with an with a shell that can get almost like a foot long. So they That's can very surprising. So they can really get big. Okay. And then the the boys are teeny tiny. They're like three quarters of an inch. Like you can't even max. See they don't them. get any. They're bigger. just little tinies. Neato. Yeah. Okay. So Jean and many people were like, "What are we can you?" Call her Jean. And how do you work? Okay. Like what's going on? And so people had speculated that they, male scientists, had been speculating looking at the dead bodies, that they just found these shells and moved in. But Jane was like, I mean, let's just look at them and find out. 
So for 10 years, uh-huh. she made it her passion project to do serious research on all of these different things. And she started um, watching them, researching them. She also was a self-taught artist. So she started oh. doing sketches of yeah, them. Yeah, She had all that creative like yep. dressmaking juices. So she used to walk back and forth in the shore, wading in with her long skirts. And she's like, this isn't going to work. No, it's not. So then she got like a rowboat and started rowing out. Yes, she did. And she had been, she had submerged tanks that they would come sit in. Oh, prototypical aquariums yes and then she was like you know this is like the skirts the rowboat it's like a lot for me so she made aquariums in her home and brought them in she brought some pregnant ones so she could watch them hatch because she's like do they find a shell or do they make the shell and so she's like i'll get some knocked up octopuses and put them in my aquarium but that's not what they're called yet and then she watched them and what she found out is that these little guys, within the first few hours of their birth, the females, they use their little bunny ear sails. That's their shell makers. Oh, they my God. They make a tiny little shell. How? Just they spit comes out of their mouth like a spider, and they just make a shell. Oh, my God. Yeah. Then she found out that if you nick their shell, like an adult or something. They can fix they it with fix their it. spit. They patch it. With their little ear flappers. Yeah. The bunny ears that are actually arms. Yeah. And their saliva or it's, something. Yeah, exactly. Then she discovered, she's like, what if I just put like accoutrement around in the tank and I make a big air, like a big injury, which I don't like condone the injury, but I do appreciate what she found out. They'll just grab those things and stick it in their shell and then like lacquer (sighs) it on. So they were just like hodgepodge making the cutest little shell you've ever seen. Wow. Yeah. So what, so she obviously found out they're not hermit crabs. They don't find shells. They make their shells, um, which she's like in hindsight was obvious because the shell grows with them yeah so like duh. they're not like they're never like leaving that one and getting a new one so they must be making exactly. it exactly so within 6 to 12 hours of their original birth they have a little shell all Holy the ladies moly. um so even though women were excluded from the scientific establishment because patriarchy and she wasn't able to go to university she wrote a lot of research papers and then this other guy was able to get her papers submitted. And that's the reason that we we can credit all of this stuff with her. Wow. Um, so anyway, all of her experiments and things learned to obviously taught us a lot about the Argonaut, but then also was the groundwork for the study of octopus intelligence uh-huh. and um, forever changed our understanding of their consciousness. Just how interesting that like one of the very first animals to be studied in this way was something as complex and beautiful as an octopus. I know. And then she studied them for a full decade. And like the first aquarium ever was for an octopus. Yeah. Not just for like some dumb flounder. Right. And it was because of her heavy skirts. (laughs) (laughs) The way I read the article. Yeah. She's like, I can't keep doing this. This is a nightmare. The skirts are a freaking nightmare. I'll make the ocean in my house. Yeah. So that's Jean. That's cool, Jean. Yeah. I like her a lot. Well done. Thank you. Brava, Jean. Brava. Um, do you need a bread break? No. Okay, cool. We're doing great. Okay. Well, my hot top, mm-hmm. um, as one can probably expect, is about Thanksgiving. Ah! It is a Business Insider article um, outlining what the different most popular Thanksgiving dishes are in different United States. 50 nifty United States. So fun. Okay. So we all know most mostly like a Thanksgiving meal around 
Amerika includes things like turkey, mashed potatoes, um, green beans. There's usually some kind of dinner roll, maybe a cranberry maybe sauce. A yam. There's also reports that in certain regions, there's other dishes that are pretty common. Okay. So if you were having Thanksgiving in Maryland, it would not be unusual for your meal to include sauerkraut. Oh. And or crab cakes. Uh-huh. The crab cakes can likely be traced back to Native American cooking in the Chesapeake Bay region. Okay. But the first original re uh, official recipe for crab cakes was in a cookbook written in the 1930s, and they were called Baltimore Crab Cakes, the very mm. first ever like official recipe of them. Mm. So some people still do crab cakes in their Thanksgiving. It's not crab season during Thanksgiving, so they must have been like frozen the crabs. Yeah, but, saved yeah. them in a can. A lot of Italian Americans, no matter where they live in America, do various pastas with their mm -hmm. Thanksgivings, especially like manicotti is apparently a, a common Thanksgiving dish. Mm -hmm. um, fried turkey. Frying the turkey is a Southern thing, especially yeah. Texas. Yep. People like to fry a turkey. Today I watched an amazing video montage of fried turkey fails, fails where people burn their whole house down, basically. Yeah. You really have to be a professional. It's a really stupid idea. You yeah. just you just have to have the right equipment. Yeah. Um, some um, Hispanic American communities also make turkey tamales. <gasps> not, that sounds delicious. Not terribly uncommon in Tejas. Yeah, Ooh. with the uh huh. Um, you just do turkey Chicanos. instead of a chicken. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, turkey tamales. Yeah. Um, in the Midwest, in Minnesota, a wild rice casserole or other type of wild rice dish is, is uh -huh. not uncommon. I, we had wild rice, I think, at some of ours. Yeah. In New England, many families have something called hasty pudding. I know. But it's a simple dessert made with cornmeal, molasses, brown sugar, and spices, and then dopped, topped mm -hmm. <laughs> with a dollop of whipped cream or a scoop of ice cream. Oh. Hasty pudding. Okay. At Thanksgiving. Okay. In New England, they also sometimes make their stuffing, instead of using breadcrumbs, or they'll use clams or oysters in the stuffing. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Also a dish called creamed onions. I can't decide if it sounds amazing or barf. I think amazing. Okay. Yeah. Creamed onions. I'm going amazing. In New Mexico and Arizona or other parts of the Southwest, um, some people make pumpkin empanadas. Mmm. Yeah. We could have like turkey tamales and pumpkin empanadas for our Thanksgiving. Oh yeah. Probably that. some green chili on top of that in New yes. Mexico. Yes. Yes. Obviously, green bean casserole, which I thought was just like a staple part of all Thanksgivings. It's mostly a Midwest thing. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you're, you're, you knew that. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't get introduced to it until we moved to this. Really? The okay. Mm -hmm. um, in the Southeast, especially in Florida, some people make key lime pie with Thanksgiving. Ooh, yeah. Which yum. sounds good to me. Hell yeah. Yeah. I feel like that, that like tartness might also be nice after all of the like... Most Thanksgiving dishes are just sweet or salty or a little bit of both. Yeah, There's yeah. not a lot of like umami happening. Right. You know? Yeah. And this would get that sour. Like a little tart. This would yeah. be good. Mm -hmm. Freshness. Like mm. it would really brighten it up. Yeah. Some of the Southeast also celebrate their Cajun roots on Thanksgiving by making gumbo, crawfish, deviled eggs, fried oysters. 
And in the Southeast, more common than a fresh cranberry relish would be canned cranberries. Okay. Some people love those canned cranberries. I don't really like any cranberries. <clears throat> it makes sense because you can't grow cranberries down that way. Exactly. But I don't... Yeah, I... I was actually just telling your mom about this last night. I, <laughs> because Anna made like 20 pounds of cranberries for today? No, I oh. don't know how we got to talk. Maybe, okay. maybe that's maybe. how we started. <laughs> um, but my mom makes like a, a cranberry sauce dish with fresh cranberries. It's really good. Oh. But it's, and not too, too tart? No. Huh. No. She adds like a little bit of orange orange chunkies in there too that yeah. helps with it. And then there's sugar. There's azucar. Yeah. I don't know. Ours is always just like I find the cranberry dishes I've had. Either the, either the canned ones are not too tart, but they're like gelatinous. The texture is like it's N-O. Ill. Yeah. If the food comes out of the can shaped like the can, I'm not interested. It's a pass. Yeah. Yeah. Except for spam. Spam's allowed. But yeah. It's cultural. Um, <laughs> well, I just got a recipe yesterday from a friend to make a cranberry crumble. Oh, yeah. That Which I think good. we might like. I like cranberries. I, I like, I like might, cranberry juice. Yeah, I think we might like that. Okay. Yeah. Last little note. Um, apparently in California, making your stuffing using sourdough bread is a, oh. a common thing. A sourdough stuffing. Cool. Yeah. I think it... I don't know what kind of bread Anna used. She's been prepping the stuffing for like days. She put some sort of Italian flavoring in mm, it. I'm not sure if it started the, as a sourdough or not. She seasoned the chubs. Yes. The chubs have yeah. Italia on them. Yep. So that's my little hot dog. I love that. And it's great because it's getting us excited to eat today. My mouth is watering. I know, me too. Mm. Not just from the banana bread. Nope. Um, we have a little outro here, which was, I, did I tell you what the outro was going to be in the outline? You you did. Yep. Was it about angel numbers? Yep. Okay. Is that still happening? Yeah. Okay. So this couldn't be a connect and correct because it was just like so much. Right. But... Um, we talked about angel numbers before, and then I had a very clear angel number the other day. I was, like, kind of meditating on something important happening in my life, like, mm-hmm. thinking a lot about it, kind of, like, obsessively couldn't stop thinking about it. Went to the grocery store, um, purchased a bunch of stuff, and my total was $99.99. And I was like, nine 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 nine. I need to look this up immediately. So apparently... Um, nines in general are about the end of something because mm-hmm. it's the last number in the single digits. Yep. And if you get it repeated, it makes it like especially strong sign of the end, but in a positive way. So 9999 is about the completion or fulfillment of destiny, the mm-hmm. end of a cycle, something in your life coming to an end, completing a task or blossoming into a new beginning. Ah. This could be physical or spiritual. And we're told we should have extra compassion and empathy for ourselves and others and face what's coming with love, hope, and understanding. Remembering that you're part of the world around you. Nothing is complete without you. Hmm. Um, Don't slack off on your spiritual practices. And they specifically mentioned yoga. And I was like, yeah, I've been doing yoga every day. And that's been helping to like prepare you for a change. Yeah, the repetition of the numbers means it's something significant. But, like, don't be scared. Um, and what you seek to manifest will come to fruition. Uh, it, things might not happen how you expect, so pay attention. But be open to new opportunities. Open up to positive change. Be courageous and open-hearted. Soften any edges that have been been jaded. And reveal your compassionate soul to the world, it says. Mm. Um, so the last little part of this was part of why I wanted to end on this 9999 for anyone 
who needs to hear this, the last quote um, from what I read about it was, growth doesn't happen without self-love and global change is only possible when we love our community. That's beautiful. Isn't it nice? Mm-hmm. It's a nice little reminder to ourselves that like amongst mm-hmm. all the difficulty, I- I've talked to a lot of people lately struggling with like how they can in- engage in their own lives joyfully when so many terrible things are happening. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's like, you just connect back to the love. Like the whole point of all of it is love mm-hmm. and the, and to believe that that actually does create positive change. Mm-hmm. That it's important. Don't cry. It's okay. Well, you can cry if you want to. No, no, I won't. Okay. <laughs> Have you seen any angel numbers? No. I'll loan you mine. Thank you. Take this as your sign that 999 is for you too. Thank you. Yeah, that's a really good one. It's nice, isn't it? Yeah. I also see one. Like it doesn't make it not challenging, but it it's like a hopeful one. Yeah. It's really nice. Yeah. Feels good. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Do you want to take us out? Yeah. Uh, Let us know if you have a hot top suggestion or you want to submit your own response to something or if you know about Woody Guthrie, I think that would be really helpful. (laughs) Call or text us if you know us or email us at schmodcastthepodcast at gmail.com or find us on the Instagram schmodcastthepodcast. Yeah. That's our handle. That's where we are. Beep bop beep bop boop boop beep. This has been a Rebetchel production. Proud sponsors of Rebetchel B-Day Extravaganza. Doing.